0: Barada made in the Netherlands, an unexpected discovery in small-town Spain, and a damn mess. This week, it's all about cheese.
1: Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences, this is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent
0: Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. You've landed on the place where we explore the great cuisine of the world at DestinationEatDrink.com and on the Destination Eat Drink podcast. This week, we're traveling to the Netherlands, Canada, Ireland, Spain, and the United States for some iconic cheeses, as well as some favored by the late night crowd, if you know what I mean as well as some delicious vegan options. But first, if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us and give up those five stars like Cholesterol Doc, who reviewed Destination Eat Drink on Apple Podcasts. They said, engaging and interesting shows. Brent shows bring you all over the world and into sometimes micro-regional cuisines that may be new to you. It's a different take on travel. Brent enjoys showcasing these off-the-beaten-path locations and the history of their cuisine. His guests are knowledgeable and interesting. Worth your time. Thanks, Cholesterol Doc. This week on the show, I thought we'd revisit some of my favorite conversations about cheese. After all, who doesn't love a gorgeous cheese plate with some wine or a giant platter of nachos with a beer at the game? We're not talking only artisan cheese, but late-night cheese snacks, and delicious vegan cheese, too. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat.
1: Destination, eat, drink.
0: Kevin Durkee runs Culinary Adventure Company. He takes foodies on tours around Toronto and Canada. He tells me about the origins of his nickname, The Big Cheese, and the Canadian classic, Poutine.
2: Yes, I I I do call myself the owner and the big cheese, partly because I'm the boss, but partly because I've now spent the last sort of 15 years within artisanal Canadian cheese. Before I purchased the Culinary Adventure Company, I ran a restaurant in Toronto called Cheeseworks. And you can imagine with a name like Cheeseworks, it was dedicated to ooey-gooey, comfort, delicious cheese. But I was always focused on local artisanal product. And we wanna bring that. One of the spectacular things that Canada is doing is cheese. There is no question that old world recipes, incredible product from Portugal, Lisbon, Spain, Germany, Switzerland, England are the standards and sort of the gold bar of what to create. But cheesemakers here in Canada are using incredible milk They are using similar recipes, but bringing it to life in a more of a innovative, new format, new way that are rivaling some of the cheeses, you know, some of the best cheeses in the world. So I would be hard pressed for any guest who joins us on a food tour, anyone that you send us after this podcast, for people not to fall in love with Canadian cheese. When you think about the styles, of course, places like Quebec, you're finding softer, beautiful uh, decadent Breeze, bear, soft and semi-soft product. In Ontario, you're, we celebrate one vendor as an example, Mountain Oak, which is a second generation Dutch farm that is doing incredible milk sourcing themselves, but they're making their milk into this in, in spectacular howdah or gouda. And so things like that are tasted on the tour. So uh, you're gonna need to give me a whole nother podcast, Brent, because we could talk <laughs> cheese for a couple of hours. Um, but I suffice it to say the selection and choice and the quality of what we're making in Canada is bar none, some of the best in the world.
0: Well, it sounds fantastic.
2: Yeah. Sorry, Fran. We got some good cheese here. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Um, I think one thing we should talk about before we, we get off of this is, uh, poutine. and I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with poutine because, uh, I grew up in the Chicago area, so we, uh, you know, Wisconsin, they, they, uh, they talk about their protein, but I don't think anyone talks about protein like Canadians do. Uh, what can you tell me about, <laughs> what can you tell me about poutine? First of all, a lot of folks maybe don't know what protein is. So give me an idea of what it is and then tell me why it's special in Canada.
2: Uh, well, first of all, we're going to make sure that you say it correctly. <laughs> right. Please in- pronounce my, <laughs>
0: please correct my pronunciation. <laughs>
2: So it's not Po, it's Poo, and you drop the e on the end. So Putin or putin. Um, So you try to put a little French uh, flair into it, and it will it'll okay. get you a better plate. Okay, but good. Poutine, yeah, Putin is is certainly uh, a very much a Quebec staple. In the nineteen fifties, it really sort of came to life, and it was partly because so many of the restaurants and businesses were close to the fromagerie or the cheese. Uh, factories in sort of the center of Quebec. That in the fifties it was a go-to, simple, easy dish. It was cheap and cheerful. And there's lots of sort of rumors and history of what has you know what has transpired. But fundamentally, a customer in the middle of Quebec in the middle of the 1950s went into a restaurant and asked for basically a to go item, wanted the French fries, wanted the fresh curds that were available and said, you know what, I'd love some gravy for my fries, just put it all together, I've got to go. And ultimately, when the restaurant did put it together, they ended up putting the gravy and the cheese on the fries, stuck it in a bag and handed it to him he reportedly said que, ça va faire vaquoi maudit putin which basically translates out of french to say that looks like a damn mess and that's pretty much what it is um, and so putin became this sort of colloquial sort of cute name to bring this sort of messy sticky savory pile of crispy french fries remarkable beef gravy and fresh cheese curds and it is delicious, but I think it's only delicious when you're it's two o'clock in the morning and you're stone drunk. Right. Um, past that, uh, there are other delicious Canadian items that we would much prefer to uh, to uh, to treat you to. But it is it is a staple. It, I do recommend those that that try it to try it in Montreal or Quebec City. It is a little bit more authentic there. Um, But, of course, there's always a few spots in and around the city of Toronto to try it if you're looking for one. But it's a damn mess that happens to be damn delicious. (laughs) Good.
0: Taish van Roen from Amsterdam Food Tours tells me about some great Dutch cheese, including the classic Gouda. I remember visiting the Netherlands and eating lots of really, really, really high quality cheese and all the uh, Dutch people enjoying cheese. Of course, uh, Gouda is maybe the most famous cheese to yeah. come out of the Netherlands, but there's a lot more, yeah. I'm sure. Um, tell me about the cheese culture in the Netherlands.
3: Yes. Okay. So, well, it is is massive. <laughs> and uh, so the, the, the hard cheese, that is, that is. You know what used to be traditionally the Dutch cheese, um, and Dutch cheese is a lot of times is named after the village where it has uh, been uh, traded, after marketplaces. So if you take for example Gouda, I use a Gouda, we say Gouda cheese, a Gouda style cheese, <laughs> Gouda. there we <laughs> there we go again. Um, so, that was produced around the city of Gouda and then brought to the village, and, and that's where the cheese market used to be. So, that's where it has its name from. Uh, so, the same goes, for example, people might uh, know the round, uh, the cannonball uh, red cheese from the Netherlands called yes. Edam. So, so good. So, that is from the city of Edam, for example. Uh, then you have Alkmaar, which is north of Amsterdam, where you have uh, uh, loads of cheeses coming from there, Leiden, you name it. So that's, that's a little bit how Dutch cheese is, you know, why it's named that way. Um, and Gouda cheese, so I have to tell you a story about so it is actually, so it's not produced in Gouda, but it's, it's, it's a type of cheese. And that's often, uh, if we have people on our tour they think, oh, okay, Gouda is one flavor. No, it's not. There's a whole range of Gouda cheese. Uh, it has one characteristic and how the cheese is very creamy and has to do with the size and fat percentage so it's a style of cheese making rather than a particular flavor of, uh, of cheese um, and for the last 10 years or so we are making really good soft cheese as well blue cheese uh, burrata even mozzarella oh. uh, you won't believe it uh, but uh, yeah we would so we have a, a, a very huge uh, uh, cheese uh, making scene here in the, in the Netherlands. Uh, well, I think that they can easily compete with the French and the Italian cheese makers. but I might be biased.
0: You, you might be, but that's okay. Cause I, <laughs> I'm here to say that uh, the Dutch make beautiful cheeses and uh, there's lots of it to choose from. I'm, I'm sure you can go to the grocery store and just buy cheese, but if we want to have a real Dutch experience, where should we go to buy our cheese? So you indeed.
3: Would, well, first of all, you have to know what type of cheese you need to buy. So actually, we have two varieties uh, in terms of quality. So we have the cheese that is pasteurized and is made in the factory uh, from all kinds of milk coming I mean, from all kinds of farms, mixed together, uh, like make like um, uh, you know like a hamburger chain <laughs> producing type of cheese, always the same flavor, whenever you, wherever you are. Okay. I'm very
0: sorry, but that's the cheese we export to you guys. <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> the Americans thought th- they
0: won't know the difference. So we're going to send them Yeah, <laughs> well,
3: if you, uh, if you also have to change a law because, uh, you know, you're not allowed to have raw milk cheese, I believe. Over yes, there. Yeah, that's
0: um,
3: true. And and, and, and the, the best quality Dutch cheese is made from raw milk, and it comes from one farm where it is um, um, organically made. And uh, there is a name for it. We call that boerenkaas farmhouse cheese. So, and that is cheese that is produced under uh, uh, strict control. And like I said, it comes from one kind of farm only, and it is a raw milk cheese. Um, so it has way more flavor. So that's what you're looking for. Now, what you can do is you can go to a well, a good supermarket even, and you look for boerenkaas. And then you already will have much better cheese than, I'm sorry, the most tourist shops in the city center try to sell you, like the big names. I won't name them here. Um, okay. Or you go uh, to uh, the delicatessen shops in an, uh, in, where, where the locals live, because there you eat a lot of bread and we like to have cheese with that. And that's where you buy your uh, cheese. So in general, I would say stay out of the city center. Um, and go more to areas like the Yorktown or the Bayes and uh, try to find a cheese shop over there for uh, the market, obviously. That's a good place.
0: Or go with uh, Taish on a food tour. And... Yeah, that's that's the best thing you can do.
3: <laughs> and he will take <laughs> yes, you to absolutely. the best
0: cheese in Amsterdam. Absolutely. The... Uh, yeah,
3: you've got all the time to buy them and we'll uh, <laughs> be happy to help you out to uh, make your selection. Yes, absolutely.
0: Virginia O'Gare is an expat Texan who now makes her home in Cork, Ireland. Along with her husband, Donnell, she runs My Goodness, an outstanding vegan restaurant in the Irish city. Virginia tells me about one of her favorite dishes to serve. I wanted to talk about another, another dish that you guys serve at uh, My Goodness that also blew my mind was your uh, vegan nachos. Because, you know, oh yeah, na- nachos are... One hundred percent totally Tex-Mex creation and you can get them any restaurant in the U.S. But um, when I had your vegan nachos and I've had vegan nachos before and I've enjoyed them. But yours, you guys, I don't know what you did, but you guys have come up with the perfect recipe for the nacho cheese with the meltability, (laughs) the flavor, Uh a little bit of heat from some, uh, I guess you must put some jalapeno in there or something. It's yeah. incredible. These vegan nachos.
4: Uh, I'm glad you like them. I really love them. I eat them almost every day still. Oh, but good. um, yeah, well, we live in, you know, we're in Ireland. So what can you grow in Ireland? It's I've, I've mentioned, it's dark, I've mentioned it's really rainy, but you can grow really good root vegetables here and good cabbages too. Like things like carrots, potatoes, cabbages, they grow well here. So we decided we'd start making our cheese out of that as vegans. So, yeah, our cheese is made from potatoes, carrots, jalapenos, which has been really fun to work with various farmers around here to start growing more chilies, Um, nutritional yeast, lemon juice, um, some arrowroot, organic soy milk. We were even for a while making our own haricot milk because we can grow more haricot beans. We can grow haricot beans here more easily than soybeans, but in the end of the day, it was just, it was too much. It was about 10 hours a day to try to make enough haircut milk to make that cheese. But yeah, it's been a lot of experimenting, but I wanted, I miss those nachos in Texas. You know, I was a cheerleader back before I became an anarchist vegan punk rocker. <laughs> and at football matches, we'd always, a football game, sorry, where am I? Football games. <laughs> we used to go and eat nachos and disgusting, like warm dill pickles out of a, out of a jar. And I thought it was great. (laughs) So our nacho dish is kind of an homage to that. It's that kind of like gross American plastic cheese, but we make it super healthy with turmeric and root vegetables. And then we top it with lots of different kind of pickled elements. So we'd make curtido out of uh, fermented cabbages from here. We do a kimchi pico de gallo, which was created by accident once when I was trying to stretch out um, a kimchi dish that we had. And then we do, you know, of course, our sour cream on top. We have jalapenos. We have a little bit of salad. And we do our nachos more like Tex-Mex style, almost like a Frito pie. So we have rice and uh, like a chipotle tempeh black bean chili, mm-hmm. which is contentious wow. for some nacho lovers. But I stand by it and I think it's a good way to eat.
0: It's perfect. I love it. And I think maybe maybe one of the things that makes it so good is that you're using root vegetables to make your vegan cheese because so many vegan cheeses are nut-based. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I've had some wonderful uh, vegan uh, nut cheeses, but I think that's what makes yours so incredibly flavorful is the root vegetable base that you use.
4: Thank you. And it's also uh, this is a little tip that I'm going to give you guys if you want to try it like a potato and carrot-based nacho cheese. What we do is we Get local potatoes, um, the waxier the better. And you just want to cook them so they're just undercooked. So it gives it almost more of like a silky texture. Yeah. And then we we have a blender that is like a four horsepower engine. It's more expensive <laughs> than any vehicle I've ever bought in my entire life. Right, right. <laughs> but that that also helps with the texture a lot. <laughs>
0: Eunice Reyes is the creator of the YouTube channel Rated V. We bond over a vegan cheese shop in Austin, and she tells me about a vegan fondue in Spain.
5: I found someone there that makes vegan fondue.
0: I wanted to ask you about this because I'm I'm obsessed right now with vegan cheese, and it, it's one thing that um, I'm having difficulty finding in, uh, in Portugal, but when we were back in the U.S. in the spring— We went to this place in Austin, Texas, that basically makes their own vegan cheese. And they have it displayed in a deli case, just like regular cheese. And they have everything from soft queso frescoes all the way up to aged cheddars and blue cheeses and everything under the sun. And I tried a bunch of them. I was like, this is is amazing. amazing. (laughs) Rebel. Oh, Rebel Cheese. Rebel, Rebel Cheese in Austin. It's amazing.
5: Oh my gosh. I see their Instagram all the time and it's just like it looks so good. I can't wait. I want there, to go text. So <laughs>
0: it's it's as good as it's as good as advertised. It's as good as the pictures, because I've I've been there and I was like blown away. I was like, this place is amazing. So uh we'll we'll put I've I've talked about <laughs> Rebel Cheese before because I'm obsessed with them, but I'll put a link to them in the uh, show notes along with all the places that you're talking about. But tell me about vegan fondue in Tarragona, please.
5: Yes. So the restaurant is called Crea and she was actually the one, uh, that also mentioned like, uh, a kind of what you, the statement that you said at the beginning of the last episode. Like during her interview, she doesn't advertise anything about like that the restaurant's vegan on the front because she's saying like, you know, why? There's no other restaurants that advertise like, oh, we only serve meat or something. You know what I mean? So like, why do I need to say that my restaurant's vegan? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and she didn't mean it in like a some rebellious way at all. She was just making it from like more of a standpoint, like, you know, you don't really think I see it the reverse way. So it's like, it's something that I think is really cool because then sometimes... A lot of, there's a lot of stigma too, I feel like with the word vegan, a lot of people nowadays, they think vegan, oh, it's not going to taste good. Yeah. Sometimes they won't try things just because they see the word vegan, it's like, wait, but just give it a try. You know, so yeah, I think that's another yeah. reason a lot of companies nowadays don't like to use the word vegan. They like to use plant-based or dairy-free or something. You know what I mean? Uh, so she makes her own vegan cheese, vegan fondue in-house. The base is cashews. And she even made her own um charcuterie, board, like, meats as well. Oh, plant-based. okay. Yeah, so you can have a little bit of both. And the – oh, my gosh. Like, the vegan fondue was so good. Like, it was – it's just like – and it was funny because, like said, I don't really – I had not seen that anywhere, even in the bigger cities. Like, I would expect something like that at one of the bigger cities, right, in Spain, or even the US. I haven't really seen any places that do that here. And so, for me to find it in the small town of Tarragona, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I would suggest, uh, if you're a true vegan foodie, go to Tarragona just to have this vegan fondue because it's an experience. Like, she you, you serves it with apples, or you could have it with bread, or with the meats, you know. And so, it's just, and it's, It's, again, a really cute, like, little small, like, restaurant, and she has an amazing pesto that she makes herself as well uh, that you can have for toast on breakfast as well. So I think she also makes her own hazelnut milk.
0: I, I think I might have to go to Spain just for vegan fondue. I mean, it just sounds so awesome. Stu Helm is a foodie tour guide in Asheville, North Carolina, who's known as the food fan. He gives me the lowdown on pimento cheese. One dish I want to ask you about is uh, pimento cheese because, you know, growing up in Chicago, I, I, I would occasionally see pimento cheese, but not really. And I never really got into it, I don't think, until I got to Asheville uh, many years later. So for, for our folks who are listening, what is pimento cheese and how do you serve it? How do you eat it? Where would you go?
1: Well, Brent, I'm so glad you brought this up because pimento cheese is an important part of our lives here in Asheville. (laughs) Okay. Like you, I grew up up north to me. Pimento cheese was one of these things, almost like a fruitcake that would come out once a year, be uh, covered in almonds always. And uh, it would be hard. Oh, right. And I I liked it as a kid, except for the pimentos. I didn't like the pimentos, Um, but- so I, that's my whole experience, like boring. Um, and then I get here to Asheville and like you, it's like you you kind of need to embrace it when you're here because it's just everywhere you look. And then you realize how awesome it is. And what pimento cheese is basically, uh, down here in the South anyways, is grated cheese, usually cheddar, mixed with mayonnaise and pimentos and other special ingredients that can be of the house. But those are the three Main ingredients are just grated cheese, mayonnaise, and pimentos. And you can sort of mash it up or you can leave it kind of loose. You can put it on a burger, which is a big deal around here. And it's everywhere you look. Even fancy wine bars have like a pimento cheese plate that will come with fancy locally made uh, crackers and stuff like that. So.
0: Pimento cheese and wine. I never considered that. That's brilliant.
1: Oh man. It's, uh, we used to go w- with food tours. We used to go into this place. that's unfortunately not around anymore because of the, uh, shutdown, but, uh, they would always serve a little glass of cava with a tiny house-made biscuit with some pimento cheese, some country ham and some, uh, pepper jelly. And it was one of the most popular bites on the whole tour.
0: That sounds amazing. I I also see a lot of uh, pimento cheese and fried green tomatoes served together. Um, Is that still uh, popular in Nashville?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, they're a great combination. Uh, Fried green tomatoes can sometimes be pickled, uh, but they're always going to have an acidity to them either way. And um, the pimento cheese really helps to cut through that tang of the green tomatoes. And of course, you know, like, Here in Asheville, let's just face it, like anything, there people are like, is it good with pimento cheese on it? Like, I'm sure that there's a place (laughs) around here serving like raw oysters with a little daub of pimento cheese on it. In fact, now I'm going to ask for that somewhere.
0: (laughs) Pimento cheese. You got to talk to the folks at Whole Donut. Maybe they'll uh, make a pimento cheese donut.
1: (laughs) Oh, I think that stay glazed is actually the more likely candidate. Oh,
0: right, right, right. Okay, there you go. Pimento cheese donuts. I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking that someone somewhere is like, that's a really good idea. Honey, let's cash out the kids' college fund. Thanks to Stu and all my guests on this week's show. I've got links to them and the places they talked about in the show notes at slash DED227. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we're visiting one of the best Italian neighborhoods in the U.S., so don't miss that. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about an ancient stone circle that's older than Stonehenge. Read about that at DestinationEatDrink.com dot com slash blog. I also just posted a video about my favorite restaurant and bar in Cordoba, Spain. You can see that on my YouTube channel at destination eat drink nine four six or go to DestinationEatDrink.com dot com and click on the videos tab. Destination Eat drink is distributed by the radio Misfits podcast Network and Ed Silla, a guy who wants to know why they're always pairing cheese with wine I mean. Where's the scotch and cheese pairing? Right you are, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road.
1: Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.